Pastor Xavier Reese and the Advent of Woman. Notice the operation on Adam was to obtain a man. The critical surgery was undertaken by God, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Real simple operation. And he closed the flesh, repaired the opening, and he returns Adam to consciousness. But everything would be totally different after this point. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. From the Tasmanian devil to the duck-billed platypus, God is a God of variety, and all of His creation is unique and purposeful. And that is especially true when it comes to the bond of man and woman. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us to the creation of woman, the origin of marriage, and the significance of God's mandate for this union. Pastor Xavier gets right to our text for today. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 25, and the message is entitled, The Icing on the Cake, Woman. The creation of man and woman was for the purpose of marriage. This was and is God's design for society, and nothing can substitute it with the equal benefit and effectiveness for society. Nothing. History makes this very clear apart from the scriptures. Marriage is difficult, but the most rewarding if you live it out in Christ. There is the key. It works no other way. So what we want to do is look at the creation of the woman for the covenant of marriage, which is described to us here in verses 18 through 20. Let me read our text. And the Lord said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called the living creatures, that was its name. And so Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to Adam. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Here's the threefold description of the creation of woman for the covenant of marriage. First, the declaration about Adam needing a mate, verse 18 through 20. Secondly, the operation on Adam to obtain a mate, verse 21 through 23. And then the celebration of Adam with his mate, verse 24 and 25. The declaration about Adam needing a mate is foundational, 18 to 20. Notice in verse 18, the command and commentary on Adam being without a mate. It's very clear, straight to the point. 
And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. The comment by Yahweh Elohim was that it was not good for man to be alone. Man, Adam. The phrase here, to be alone, simply means to exist in solitude without one that's comparable or like him. The word for good means pleasant, agreeable, appropriate. So, Adam alone was not appropriate to the creation. This is the eighth appearance of the phrase Yahweh preceded by Elohim, Elohim Yahweh. It's the eighth time it appears. This is the name and the title by which God presents himself as a covenant God later on to Moses. This is the eighth. The number eight is the number of new beginnings. Adam was about to experience a new beginning like no other. And so does every man when he's joined to a woman. He's never the same. And it's for the good, not for evil. The implication being that it is not to the best interest of man or the benefit of man to live without a woman. The norm for a man and a woman is marriage. There is the gift of celibacy that we'll deal with, but the norm is marriage. The exception is the single life. The covenant God would enter into with Adam is based on the fact that Elohim here, the creator of Adam, is the one directly responsible for everything that he receives. He creates everything for him. The covenant would be that he would provide not only this woman, but he's going to provide a garden later on where they live. The fruit, everything, completely. Notice the commentary regarding Adam's situation uh, was also here by Yahweh Elohim regarding Adam's completion, that he would make a helper comparable to him. The implication means that the one who already exists is not complete or cannot do everything himself. He needs a help. So the man, again, affirms here by the revelation that he needs someone. The helper is qualified by the preposition comparable, which appears only two times. Here in verse 18 and then down in verse 20, affirming what he says right here. Only two times in the Bible. The preposition comparable means in front of, corresponding and matching his distinctiveness of physical, intellectual, and spiritual likeness, which was not found for him in the animal kingdom. All right? Very important. The one fit for Adam, who would be his counterpart or complement for life, like him, but opposite to him to complete him in what he lacked, the suitable helper. A wife is a suitable, appropriate, fitful helper, one to complete the man. Notice in verse 19, you have the common creation of Adam and the animals with the superior comparison. And God goes out of his way to make this distinction so that we don't confuse the kingdom of animals with that of man. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called them, each living creature, that was its name. Once again, God, Yahweh Elohim, created every beast of the field, every bird of the air. The covenant of God, Yahweh here, notice, and the creator Elohim created bara, 
made him out of nothing. Out of nothing. Chapter 1, verse 21, the sea life spoke it into being. This is the sixth day. The beasts of the earth were spoken into existence. And the place before creation of man here now is in reverse order of chapter 125. So when people compare them, they say, oh, contradiction. The order is different. Again, Genesis chapter 1 is the revelation of the process. In chapter 1, we've seen the declarative statement. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The declarative statement of creation. Verse 2, the state of creation prior to the finished product. Verse 3 on down to the end, the process. Chapter 2, the details that have to be stuck back in. No contradiction. Notice the text uses the word yatsur, to form, to fashion, to mold. And he says every. In other words, it's mentioned twice, every, every. Nothing was left to its own to evolve into a higher form. It was created in and of itself complete as a unit. He says this from different perspectives. There is no room for any evolution at all. Plus evolution and the evidence for it is totally zipola. None in the fossil record. And we'll see that when we get to the flood. Now, notice God reveals a simple common ground of the animal kingdom with man. They both were created, borrowed out of nothing. God spoke them into existence. They both were formed with the word yatsur in chapter 2, verse 7, and here 2.19. They both were created in the sixth day. So they got some common things. They were spoken into existence. They were shaped and molded. And they were created on the sixth day. That's the commonness. But God brought Adam that he might assign names to the animal. This is where the distinction comes in. The contrast is of superiority and totally distinct. This is the confirmation of Adam's domain over the animal kingdom that was given in chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. This is the confirmation of man's clear distinction of the superiority. He's not an animal. He didn't come from animals. This is the confirmation that the animal kingdom was for the benefit of man being conscious that God created it for him. He's not to abuse it. He's not to misuse it. He's to appropriate it, care for it. This is a confirmation of man being created in the image, in the likeness of God, able to think, able to reason, being a self-determinant in the being, and being able to express thoughts, emotions through speech. Totally different, totally different. Now, notice in verse 20, the conscious awareness by Adam of having to need a mate for a companion is given to us. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Reflection. As he's named them, he's saying, what's wrong with this picture? <laughs> the man Adam was allowed by God to perform this task that he might see himself as incomplete without a mate, being unable to communicate with the animals. God is like that. He allows us to reflect that we might acknowledge what he wants to reveal, and so we come to him. We depend on him. Notice the word but, a contrasting conjunction, marking the sharp contrast between the helper, comparable, to the animal kingdom. The animals were all created simultaneously in pairs or with mates, except for Adam. Eve was created subsequent to Adam. 
The natural consequence of Adam's created design would be for Adam to desire and expect God to also create a mate for him, having made him in the image and the likeness of God. It is proven that single men die sooner than married men. Divorce single men die sooner than married men. It's a statistic. It's fact. You know why? Because a woman does so much for a man. It causes him to rest. It causes him to respond in a positive way in so many different ways. It causes him to have joy, to be elated. All those things are great. Now, you've got the sin nature. I'm not ignorant to the problems of sin nature. But as Christians, we're talking about what we can receive from marriage. If we're carnal, we can receive the lack of it just like the non-believer. It all has to do with our willingness to die to self and to depend on the Lord. There's the decision of each individual. Every man and woman is to know that the norm for life is to have a mate, a monogamous heterosexual relationship by marriage. That's the standard. Listen to 1 Timothy 5.14. Therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity for the adversary to speak reproachfully. God's will is that men be married to one woman, one woman to one man for life. He says, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. 1 Corinthians 7, 2. So Christians believe that God has created us for marriage and that marriage is for life and the marriage is between two consenting adults, male and female. That's what we believe. God will gift those with the gift of celibacy to not desire or need to be married, but that's the exception. Listen to Paul. For I wish that all men were even as I myself were. In other words, he was married at one time, but he wasn't at the time when he became a Christian afterwards. We don't know what happened. But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner, another at that. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. So the gift of celibacy, if you do not have a desire to be married, if you are not bothered by the opposite sex and you're not different, okay, um, I'm not talking about being homosexual or lesbian. I'm talking about being straight, okay? Then probably you may have the gift of celibacy. But the norm is that you will desire to be joined to a woman, to a man, and to procreate. That's the norm of life and God's standard. Now, every man is held responsible for the covenant of marriage because of the sharp difference between the creation of man and the creation of the animals. Man is to act in accordance with the knowledge that he's created in the image and likeness of God, not like an animal. Man is a social being created for commitment to one person in marriage. Every man longs to communicate with the opposite sex, even in the fallen nature. Guys don't go out on Friday night to look up for guys. You don't go out to check out guys unless you're different, but you go out to check out girls, right? You want to talk to the opposite sex. God has put that in us. The problem is that once marriage takes place, be it on the man or the woman's part, several things can result. Being indifferent, insensitive, uninvolved, 
unconcerned. That's the sin nature. The scriptures are clear that two are better than one. Listen to Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Nothing, this principle is, is, is the truest in marriage. How much I have accomplished in life. You guys receive the benefit of my ministry because I have a beautiful, godly wife that has taken care of my children, my home, and given me the liberty to be spent for you. You understand? And to be all that I can be to her, to my children, and to you, and to my God. I would not be able to accomplish all that I have without my wife. She's a gift to me from the Lord. The declaration was that Adam needed a mate. Hmm. Notice the operation on Adam was to obtain a mate then. Verse 21 through 23. Verse 21, the critical surgery was undertaken by God. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. God, Yahweh Elohim, again sedated Adam, causing a deep sleep to fall upon him. The phrase deep sleep just means a trance. I don't know how he did it, whether he knocked him out, gave him some uh, chloroform, well, I don't know what. He just did it, okay? No explanations. The first man had to experience a type of death to obtain a bride. Wow. Christ had to die to obtain a bride. Do I think that I don't have to die to obtain my bride? Of course I do. So God took a rib, which means literally a side of bone, flesh, and blood. Doesn't mean he took one rib, and man has one less rib than a woman. That's not true, okay? And then he closed it. Real simple operation. It's not very deep. He just kind of just gives it. And he closed it fresh, repaired the opening, and he returns Adam to consciousness. But everything would be totally different after this point. Look at verse 22. The creation of the woman was completed by God. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. God, Yahweh Elohim, then constructed Eve, the woman. He took the bone, flesh, and blood, and he made it into a woman. Not from the feet of man, that he might trodden her underfoot. Not from the head of man that he, she might rule over him, but from the closest part of his heart that she might be by his side, be the closest and completing him for life. Matthew Henry said that. The word for made is bana, to build. And we've seen different words. He uses this word only for her. He built her. Now, when I was in the world through the 60s, you had a phrase like that. You look at a girl who is well-developed and endowed, a beautiful figure. You say, man, she's built. So it's biblical. He built <laughs> Eve. Okay? Amos uses this word to describe how God built the layers of the sky in Amos 9.6. This is used for the woman. The creator formed Yatzer, Adam. Adam, from the ground, Adama. There's a play on words all through it. He created Adam from the dirt. He created the woman from him. 
The record of creation uses four different words, as you know. Bara, created out of nothing. Asa, out of the existing material that he created. Yatser, to form and shape. And here, built. Listen to Psalm 139, 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The word wonderfully means distinctly and separately made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. So intricate. Have you seen a baby born? Have you looked at their little fingers, how delicate they are, the little ears, the little gummy bear lips that I want to chew on? They're just so perfect. Incredible. Have you ever seen a picture of an aborted baby, maybe at four, five, six months, when their hands are completely formed and they show how dinky that thing is and yet how exact, fearfully, wonderfully made? Hmm. Eve was altogether different from Adam. She was more refined, having been taken from man, not the earth. She was created with a lighter skeletal frame, less muscle, and a greater emotional makeup than Adam. She was created with different features. Body shape, body parts. And yet, all with the purpose in mind to complete the man not for competing or being equal to the man. There's where the world misses the mark. Notice God, Yahweh Elohim, presents then Adam with his bride. God brought Eve to Adam. They were equal in that God created both of them, but not in their design and function for life. Genesis 1.27 says, And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Two distinct individuals. He says that from different perspectives, you cannot corrupt or pervert the scripture. They were equal before God as persons, but not as physical or emotional beings. And if you're married, you know how different we are. Men say, man, I am hungry. I could eat a bear. But a woman says, I'm starving. You're not starving. <laughs> we describe things differently. My wife asked me, how did the thing go? Oh, it went well, doesn't it? Okay. If she asked another woman, they spent an hour <laughs> describing how it went. <laughs> We're different. Notice verse 23, the commentary of Adam at the presentation of his wife. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Adam's response identifies her common likeness in relationship to him by acknowledging the woman as an extension of himself coming from the man in Hebrew poetical form employing parallelism. This is now the first line, then bone of my bones, second, and then third, fourth, and fifth. Beautifully laid out. Listen, this now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh is a wordplay between his response and the phrase one of the ribs in verse 21. In the Hebrew, you catch it. The one to complete him, emphasizing his state being different than before this event. Evident by the word, listen, now. Look what he says, this now is bone. Everything is different. 
than before. He recognizes I'm a different, I am complete. I am not alone. I've been changed, and so does marriage change every man, every woman. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of the sanctity of the covenant of marriage. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request your own CD copy of this study. Today's message is simply titled, The Icing on the Cake, Woman. You can receive your own copy for just $4. Now don't forget to share these exciting truths with a friend. The title to ask for once again is, The Icing on the Cake, Woman. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. In a day where anything goes, is marriage really that important? Be sure and tune in to the next installment of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 